You're listening to the oneofus.net podcast network. And as expected, and as they should have, everyone said, yeah, that's fine. Can we hear you talk about Legion? <laughs> I was like, well, okay, if you insist. You mean the one everybody watched? So, yeah. Well, no, that's not true, though. <laughs> the numbers were, in fact, considerably higher for Iron Fist than they were for Legion, and that's a shame. Really? Well, I think the reason is is because Legion, it, like, like Iron Fist is kind of following a formula. It's yeah. very trying yeah. to be as accessible as possible. Legion, on the other hand, is an art show yeah. that is extremely abstract at first. Mm-hmm. Oh, it sticks with its, uh, I don't know about abstract, but I would say it's definitely artistic through and through. <laughs> I mean, Well, and Netflix is just easier to access yeah. versus FX, which I watched it digitally. True. I wasn't watching it. On FX. Well, they didn't do a good oh, job of marketing that it was they were uh, playing all the episodes as air on Hulu. So you could, like, if you had Hulu, oh. you could just watch it on there as I it didn't was coming out. Yeah, I didn't know either till the series was all out. I was like, oh. I'd started watching it on Amazon and then I realized it was on Hulu. You're like, I'm but just it's weekly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, even on Apple TV, it was, it was weekly. Yeah, within okay. 24 hours of the Wednesday, but it was still. Yeah. Whereas well, Iron Fist was like, I bet it peaked pretty early. Yeah, Iron Fist broke their numbers that. for binge watching. They don't call it binge watching, but they it broke their new numbers. It's the most downloaded watch. No, not as much as Luke Cage. It was slightly oh, under I thought Luke it, Cage. It just edged it out. No, which is which is funny because like when you look at, they go, "Well, each new Marvel show gets better numbers than one before." It's like, yeah, because what they're actually looking at is just that first weekend, the first week, the first month, and there's more and more and more watchers as people have been slowly coming and hearing that all the Netflix shows are good. So of course, each show is bigger numbers than the last one until you get to Iron Fist, which is less, and they're and you've got to go, uh oh. <laughs> I didn't think they even released their numbers or they, to some extent. Yeah. To some extent, yeah. they're just like not every. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, they don't oh, pull the curtain yeah. back all the way. Yeah, like yeah. you get a peek. Yep, if I had them again, we did it. If yeah. I had them in front of me, I could read out what they did release, but I, I don't. So anyway, so, uh, let's go through who's here. I am Chris, and and uh, if you haven't been on Johnny Neal is here with us, of course. Who's Hello, you guys everybody. know and love Johnny Neal. He's been on a bunch of casts. We just can't get enough of this guy. No, well, I, you, you just don't call enough. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'm moving out on you, pal. That's true. That 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 is my bad. To be fair. Uh, but I'm glad you could join us. I am I know grateful you, to be here. You're passionate about this show. Oh, I love this show. Uh, yeah. And then, Neil, why don't you talk about yourself, what you do a little bit? Uh, no, no relation, by the way. No, yeah. yeah. Neil <laughs> Anderson, not Johnny Neil. Um, <laughs> Her name was Anderson Neil? <laughs> my, my credentials are being a fan. So this is technically my first podcast. <laughs> uh, busting my cherry on this. I had no idea you'd never been on any podcast. No, I have listened to lots. Okay, okay. But I haven't. I've, I've done panels at, at cons as a fan and, and, and similar, but not not like this. Um, yeah, that's all my credentials. Uh, I also loved Legion. I thought I think the the art how art piece is a good description. Even looking back at like Iron Fist on Netflix was playing at all the cineplexes, and Legion was playing at the at the Arbor. With only four screens or something. Like, I mm-hmm. think that fits it very well that it also was so slow in revealing itself that you got to enjoy it, too. Yeah. It wasn't this... They sold it as X. They put that X in there and everything. Every chance they got. Yeah. But it, it <laughs> wasn't trying yeah. to sell the spandex or explosions. No, right. no, because it's it's this is definitely period piece X-Men. It's first class through the lens of, like, David Lynch's Mad Men. Yeah. You know? Um, but uh, anyway, Evan is here joining us as well. And talk a little bit about uh, about your uh, background. Oh, I've got a background in music. Um, as you know, not really anything with, with film. So I'm just a, uh, I'm a fan um, as well. And I'm just here to, uh, to 
put my two cents in. Ready for the all-male review. You're, you're big the all-male review. <laughs> well, like I, the, the big lo- Monty here. <laughs> I'm looking forward to hearing your take on the music because the music cues. That was that was one of my favorite things about the show is they had an awesome soundtrack. Yeah. Just like from the start. From the awesome. start. Yeah. Well, it's interesting. Jeff Russo, who's from the band Tonic, is the guy they got. who's not done a lot of scoring work. He's relatively new to it. But when he met with Noah Hawley, the creator, who also did Fargo, mm-hmm. to also, I think, equally amazing effect, uh, he said he wanted it to sound like Pink Floyd's Dark Side of the Moon, saying, quote, the album, more than anything, is really the soundscape of mental illness to some degree. Well, and it helps having a character named Sid Barrett. Wait, which well, is that, that was the reason for, right, being yes. named Sid Barrett. Yeah, I mean, there's certainly lots of, like, very small, subtle Pink Floyd callbacks throughout this entire show. Yeah. Uh, well, and I think the music did like the fashion and the set design, it didn't nail down one time period where I think the first few episodes they're, they're screwing with you playing musical chairs of when this is happening, where David's room as a child, his father's reading to him and it kind of has a eighties, nineties kids room feel, but the hospital and his sister dresses like it's the late fifties, early sixties. Yeah. And the music moved around that too, where it wouldn't pin it down where oh no this is all 60 stuff get, we know when this sometime is sometime in 15 years like yeah. but not precisely when they don't ever let the ground stop moving and it, ever on the on how the look or the sound of the series but went. it did seem that the bulk of the influences came from the early 70s like there's well, a lot of Stanley Kubrick influence throughout this yeah. the the, the color so. scheme of the the sweatsuits that they wore in the in the clockworks place was very 70s yeah I mean, it looked like harvest gold you know yeah. well a- the only the only like the only thing that alluded to like a time period deal was when uh, Jermaine Clemens' character came in and he was asking about, was well, it still free love? Are we still in the 60s? Yeah. And, and then he had been gone for 20 years. So, yeah, possibly yeah. the 80s then. But then, yeah, but I mean, it was hidden the whole But time. his outfit was total 70s. Yeah, like, well, so like leisure suit kind of thing. Yeah, you know, yeah. that, was, uh, yeah. that was just, and the cars, none of the cars were. Really, of any particular, there, there was a good twenty-year span. There were only a few cars in the whole show. But True. Still. Well, and then you get Division Three with basically Minority Port level tech. He opens that file folder, and it's all almost holographic of their file on David. Yeah. So they. They never pinned it down. I was like, even oh, by the yeah, third or fourth episode, yeah. I tell my wife, I don't know if we've met that many real people or seen much of real life yet. But even, right. Even the right. tech that we see from Division 3 has that sort of, steampunk's not the right word, right. but like as if they had developed super high tech in the 60s, what it might have looked right. like. Let's call, it, let's call it Tang Punk. Tang Punk? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like there's a little bit of the space age, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. what the future should have been. You know, that shit was awful. I don't know why anyone ever liked Tang. Oh, Ugh. God, in India. We I loved it, like it. <laughs> like until I went to college and actually tried other stuff. I yeah. mean, I, growing up, I loved it. I, I grew up loving baby aspirin, too. So, you know, this was a nice, safe way. <laughs> the whole story you know, there. And, and playing with thumbtacks, you know, <laughs> stuff like that. Uh, it's what's odd about the show that works as well as it does, and it was the it was the uh, the the part of it I was most nervous about is that a large part of this really is kind of a sweet love story between Dan Stevens yep. as David Holler and Rachel Keller's Sid Sidney Barrett. The oddest love story we may have ever seen on television, to be sure. This girl is like, yeah, you can't, we can't touch each other or things will blow up and people will die. But, you know. Well, I watched the first episode by myself because my wife wasn't at home and then uh, married 20 years. And then she came home and I said, I'm watching this show. I watched this show and, and there's this one scene that if you're not sold by that scene, you're, this is going to get you. And that was the scene when he goes, you want to be my girlfriend? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that was like yeah. the heart and soul of that whole show. No, no, no. Just I, looking at her across the circle. I just rewatched that girlfriend? first episode today, and you stop right at that moment. You're like, that was that was kind of awesome. <laughs> She's like, you get we can't touch, right? It's like, yeah. She's like, well, okay, then. Yeah. And that, that moment when they're walking down the hallway, and they can't hold and, hands. Yeah, and she so they've got a, them. Yeah, they got a tie yeah. instead mm-hmm. to hold together. Yeah, she, they go the opposite direction. They're like, oh, no, I'll yeah. go with you. And the casting, everything about that show. She was just, Rachel Keller was so adorable. Who is, uh, as well, I believe, was came from Noah Hawley uh, yeah. on Fargo. She right. came along with him, as did uh, the sort of the Jeans Professor Hall. X of this group, G. 
Gene Smart, who reportedly had no idea what the show was about when she said yes. She's just like, uh, no, Holly's in charge? I'll be there. I mean, she was like the rest of us. She had no idea what was going on. It didn't matter. It's no, same way with like Brian Fuller or somebody. You see, it's them. You go, oh, I'll watch that. Yeah. (laughs) I'll give it a shot. Yeah, I'll give it a shot. See what happens here. But across the board, everybody's just so interesting. Who knew... For one thing, there's a lot of comic actors in this, like Aubrey Plaza playing Lenny slash the Shadow King. Um, She goes from just, like, being very Aubrey Plaza-ish to being really fucking scary as shit. Like, Feruza Balk in a hell nightmare. Oh, yeah, that's what I thought of, too. (laughs) I started thinking in the later episodes it was, like, a scary Charlie Chaplin. (laughs) She's she's even dressing kind of Chaplin-esque. Yeah, like Edward Scissorhands kind of look. Yeah. 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 Yeah, And I didn't see... I think I saw April... From Parks and Rec for about the first minute, and then it was completely yeah. gone. Yeah. Well, and speaking of Edward Scissorhands, I think that that is part of that Noah Hawley thing, is that he makes a pastiche of everybody he's ever been in love with. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, Tim Burton, I love you. I'm going to just, this is going to be, half of this episode is going to be about yeah. you. You know, and then he does a silent movie in one part, you know? And yeah. It's just everybody he loves, he uses. What is like a lot of the stuff that he does like that, though, is things that you wouldn't necessarily pick up on. Like, there's a sequence in here uh, where inside of uh, the Ice Cube where the floor, the whole design of that thing is right out of the last scene in 2001. Like, Mm -hmm. to details. You're like, oh my god, the whole floor lay, like, that's clearly this. The clockworks, the thing, I mean, is clearly (laughs) a... Kind of picked up on that one real quick. Direct clockwork uh, orange thing, you know? And and what about Jermaine Clement opening that episode, just talking Mm -hmm. straight to the camera and saying, you know, this is the kind of story this is gonna be, or is this the kind of story? He was so awesome. Just that his poetry and, like, all... He was so funny during that thing. Yeah, yet yet another comedian who, more than anybody, he got to stay kind of a comedian here. Mm -hmm. But, like, as well as Bill Irwin, who plays Carrie Loudermilk, who shares a body with Carrie. I was very excited for Bill Irwin. Yeah, who who does a great job, but is definitely not playing it as much for laughs as you would expect. No, yeah. No, but he's so physical. Yeah. You know, I mean, that that fight when he was, uh, there was the fight scene where Carrie was fighting. And and talk about a great newcomer. I just absolutely loved her. Uh, Amber uh, Midthunder. Cool. Yeah, Amber Native American Mid-Thunder. actress. She was She's fantastic. Native American, huh? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh. Walking through the woods going, this would be a good place to have a fight. You know, it's <laughs> like, oh, I'm so in love with you, Perry. It just reminded me of, like, those moments when Worf would go, today would be a good day to die. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but then she shrinks down, you know, at the end. And she's so tough all the time. And then finally she's like, you left me. You know, and it's like, wow, you're not a one note, you know. No, they they, they admittedly kind of just, she was almost a background character where you weren't even sure what her, how she related to anything until what, episode five or six or something? Where suddenly like, oh, she shares the body with this other guy. Well, yeah, that reveal came really long into the season two. And I love the way a lot of those reveals are done like, Oh, yeah, it's no big deal. Don't worry about it. Yeah. There's no, like, they don't go, like, this is the thing. Yeah, it's subtle, yeah. Yeah, it's just like, yeah, of course. Well, you already knew everybody here was a mutant. What's the big deal? It was really <laughs> nice, like, going, what was that all about, about Jermaine Clement's scene? And then later on, it's like, oh, that's her, um, I got it. And, and the diving suit? I just, anytime you put a diving suit in a movie. It's know, automatically it's, better. It's, does <laughs> Melanie Bird have superpowers? You know, that's actually a very good question, because you would presume that she did. I mean, it kind of, she can talk to telepathic people, but that's not really like, I mean, they're doing that. Presumably, if they're a telepath, they can pick up on it. They're never really clear what, if anything, her powers are. I assume she's like a mid to low level uh, telepath. It yeah. was my assumption herself. But yeah, I, I got that. Or she too. just married into it. Yeah. <laughs> right, because with, with Oliver, and then he disappears, Which and she's going to carry the torch. We're still not entirely clear on what his whole, Oliver's whole power his set whole is. Deal, yeah. He can travel the astral plane, but needed the diving suit. But mm. then, in the astral plane, like, I, two big production pieces. I love his, when, he, when time has stopped and they're going to try to save... David and Sid, Mm -hmm. he works this magic music thing where he creates the letters shield with the alphabet soup and Uh. weaves it around them. (laughs) Oh, wow. So, but it was still on the astral plane. So maybe it's as one of those high level 
telepaths, he can do just about anything on the astral plane. We don't see him do anything really in the physical plane. For the record, the first time Marvel has ever shown in live action the astral plane, which is surprising considering how many of their comic folks have gone to the astral plane. And it was was presented in so many different ways. An ice cube, a hospital, a beaten down house. I think the, uh, the, the diving suit was what they put his inert body in to keep him on ice. And he just kind of carried that with him. Yeah, but I think that was just. There's a one scene where she visits and she opens the faceplate and it's empty. Yeah, amen. Right. Remember Bill so Irwin I think he got puts sucked in, and then well, that's in the astral plane. I think he yeah. took the version from the ice cube, right. to go get Sid. But in the real world, it's in a freezer, empty. I can't. I don't think it was empty until she went and looked. I think that's oh, really? why she went and looked. I we never saw it before that, right? And no, never see inside no. The well, no, so didn't just... she? She looked in it once, and it was it was David or somebody, right? First, wasn't it like no. there was somebody's face in it? I think, and it was, then I, I think that was well. Him, Sid that opened was always... it and saw Carrie's face yeah. okay. later. All right. Uh, I, well, I thought there was one before. So I don't know. I can't remember. I can't be the I only person her talking. We first saw the ice cube. We went. They're in 22 Jump Street. <laughs> I remember this scene. <laughs> I did not think that. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think that about a lot of things. So. <laughs> just you're constantly waiting for that reveal. I, this is going to be the time. <laughs> I had no idea, but then when we start to get to know Oliver, I think it's just his totem because he drinks so much. Yeah, I think so too. And he's like, I mean, the moment he appears in what, episode six or seven? Six. Five, six? I don't remember. I don't know if it uh, you're just, you're like immediately in love with that yeah. episode. You're just like, okay, this is going to be the ones we're going to go. This is one of my he favorites. He was awesome at every single scene. <laughs> so like, he yeah, such a good job. He's just like, every time he's on scene, it's like a, he's like a beat poet who literally reads an Allen Ginsberg poem. <laughs> but he was still awkward. You know, yeah. like, I've been alone for so long. I don't know how to have a conversation. So I'm going to drown it out with this jazz. I don't remember who the musician was. Yeah. But it was kind of an Ornette Coleman type. Right. You know, like. Oh yeah, so let's have this conversation with this squawking saxophone play, you know, and it's like I yeah, forgot you that don't could do be that irritating. In, you know? Yeah, exactly. Well, it's possible he's gone insane, but he's had no one else around to confirm it. And when yeah. David shows up, he actually has a sounding board to go off that, but he hasn't completely lost his shit because he he had he had the time. He, what is it, Tuesday? Like, he doesn't yeah. know. He hasn't felt 20 years actually pass. Well, he doesn't even remember his wife. I mean, that's a Yeah, she's deal. familiar. Yeah. No, he I mean, knows he's married, he thinks. Yeah. Well, sort of. Yeah. He, he Sometimes he does. Yeah. Sometimes yeah. he doesn't. <clears throat> yeah, because yeah, he's got, what, astral brain damage or some shit. Yeah. I don't know what that is. But. And he's also astral the voice Alzheimer's. of the coffee yeah, pot. Uh, the, well, 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 yeah. He was, he's he was built, the voice of the computer in a bathroom or something. He had built the compound. Yeah, he was all over the place. She gets an espresso to hear the story. Right. And you don't know the connection. And then when she pours the coffee out to get it again, it's like... Oh, I think Oliver programmed all this, and she's just listening to Oliver. Okay, because he—it sounds like he built the place. Yeah, yeah. He's a super genius on, you know, nuts and bolts level as well. As Which is interesting because the way this show ends with him driving off now possessed by the Shadow King, you're like, okay, that feels like one of those like, well, we want to keep that that villain around in case we want to bring him back later. But apparently, that's not the intention at all. This is not going to be a villain of the season show. They're like, no, the Shadow King is. The primary villain for season two and going forward. That except now yeah. David has to confront him from outside instead of from inside while dealing with sort of a weird phantom leg syndrome because right. he was inside him for so long. But know? it also the, Jermaine Clement would have been the most susceptible just because he had the least he's broken. grip on reality as it is. Yeah he's, yeah, he's kind of broken right there, not really sure what's real and what's not. Just at that moment he goes. Melanie, and boom, and dangerously know. is ex- probably extremely powerful himself. Well, that's my guess is he was the strongest presence in the room, and that's where Shadow King jumps. Yeah. Oh, if I can't have David, I got the next best thing. Yeah. Did anybody notice? I may have just heard it wrong, and I went back like I rewound, rewound it like a couple times. Carrie was like talking to David at some point, and he was like, "Hey, let's go see Aunt Melanie." Did you guys hear that? Did anybody hear that? I don't remember. What, what around he, when? They were like, I think they're in the woods. I, I it was like mid season or whatever. He was like, um, I, I can't remember what they were doing, but he was like, let's go see Aunt Melanie, and I was like, 
Aunt Melanie. Hmm. And I was like, is that Professor X's like sister or something? Or like what's like what's going on with that? And I went and looked, I didn't see anything about it, and she's not in like the comics, it looked like. Right. Well so like we said, pretty much no one from the show is in the comics except David and the Shadow King. These but are I all went new back characters. like three times and it to me sounded like he said Aunt Melanie real quick. Like uh, yeah, it could be them. they could be going ahead and run because I know uh uh Noah Halley already has a plan for where this was going in season two and season three. Like he said, it's going to go till I'm done with it. Basically. It's like, I have a set series of stories. I don't know how long it's going to take, but when I'm done with those stories, I'll, the show will end. So stop asking me how long it's going to go on for (laughs) (laughs) as long as they let me do it until I'm done. Um, But yeah, that could very well have been a reference to what's coming up next. I mean, I know they've also said, I mean, the the show does say, I mean, it shows Professor X's wheelchair. In fact, it's the same. They offered him pretty much. They still have every Professor X wheelchair they've ever used on the X-Men movies. And they were like, which one do you want? And they're like, uh... I guess the latest one. So they just used the one from Apocalypse. Well, they when they were in the uh, in the lecture room too, yeah. and he was like, he was like drawing his dad or whatever, and then he yeah. was like, presumably my dad. It sounds English or yeah. whatever. You know oh, what I mean? Yeah. So I think they kind of and were like even in the drawings, he was bald. Yeah, yeah. and you're just like, was, okay. So was, they've said for sure he is Charles Xavier's son, and Noah Hawley has said we will at some point in all likelihood, see Charles Xavier. Now, as to who's going to play Charles Xavier, that we have no fucking idea. It might be Patrick Stewart. It might be James uh, uh, McAvoy. Or it might be somebody else entirely. I'd bet on somebody else entirely. I think. I don't even care. I mean, I don't even care about the comic books. I mean, this, to me, works so perfectly as its own. The notion that there was, like, a little Professor X thing was fine. I mean, But I don't think you have to have... I don't think you have to have even known that comic books as an idea exist. I agree. That's one of the things I love so much about the show. There's no requirement to knowledge of previously existing yeah. things. Just the only thing you get from that is like Easter eggs, basically. Yeah, yeah. Like, exactly. Oh, I know. I recognize that yeah. thing. And and speaking of the the conversation at the chalkboard. Have you ever seen a better info dump scene than Seriously. that? Yeah, that was like, awesome, okay, man. we need to take a minute <laughs> and explain what's going on here. And all of a sudden, it just fills up this this class. Oh, it was just Holly's brilliant. like, if we're going to do exposition, we're going to do it where it's super cool. Again. <laughs> oh, I, yeah, I love that. It felt, with eight episodes, FX was taking a gamble, but not a big gamble. But as the episodes went on, they were willing to spend their budget back there because we've got Oliver's shield effect we've got the classroom with the massive chalkboards and the animation and even when he's done talking all the chalkboards were still full uh yeah i thought that was a, a great way to tell it and it stepped out of it didn't look like anything else in the series mm-hmm. it wasn't like here's a certain motif or anything we've used and we're retreading no it was brand new and something as simplistic as chalk yeah. to do it. They got a lot of use out of making it look more expensive than it was by just having not that many actual sets they needed. Yeah. Right. There's like They keep going back to the same ones, but it seemed to me like they were all on wheels so mm-hmm. they could connect them mm-hmm. and disconnect them. Like all the scenes where he would go into a room and then he'd be going right back into the room again or into the hallway where he was stuck in a loop. There's a lot of stuff like that. It's like, wow, that must have been expensive. No, probably not. They just have like Lego sets basically, which is not uncommon. Right. Things like that. A lot of like relatively inexpensive visual effects that just look cool and kind of work to some degree, because you're like, oh, well, it's going for that old-looking style, like a classic style, so you're not really... It doesn't have to be super modern CG. A lot of it is sort of like something's there one second, then it's not type things. Yeah, yeah. A lot of like something just walked by in the background. Did you see that? What was that? <laughs> Especially early on, where you're like the shit with the Shadow King just sort of like yeah <laughs> That one, yeah, in that last episode, I guess. So the, the more that they showed him, the creepier he got. Yeah. yeah. That, which usually that's not the way it is. Usually, yeah. you know, you get the flash of things and then you get familiar. And then when they have a big reveal, you're kind of like, oh, yeah, I kind of got that. You know, this one, it was just his arms got longer mm-hmm. and he got grosser. And you started Fingers. hearing his breathing yeah. Uh, yeah. noises. And yeah. yeah, he just got grosser and grosser. <laughs> By the last episode, I thought he was genuinely, had genuinely gotten to where he was scary. Yeah. You know, I mean, like when when uh, 
Aubrey Plaza, Lenny is just her hair's all Tim Burtoned out, mm-hmm. and she's just like gone completely psycho. And then the the transfer, she's just like transferring from body to body. It was like, okay, you're you're. I was as they say, on the edge of your seat. Like, what's gonna happen? <laughs> and when she came up from behind him, when he was on the floor yeah. of his bedroom, and she came up from behind him, like there was not. She wasn't a complete person. It was yeah. just that was like oh, it God, was really you know. creepy when Sid like went into that white room and then. I, I guess it was just a Shadow King underneath the blanket. Oh, yeah. And it was just like he wasn't coming out. And he, she was just like looking, like wondering if it was David or like what it was. And then, boom, it's right behind her. Missed opportunity to not have the white room have black curtains. I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> it would have fit in so perfectly there. Uh, the only thing that got me about this show, I don't know if anybody else shares this opinion. I, I binged watched it, except for minus like the last two episodes. And the... It was by design. They wanted you to feel like what he felt, I'm sure. But, like, when I was watching it back to back to back, it was just so noisy and messy to me. I was just like, oh, my God, I'm going crazy, too, watching this shit. I think you're supposed to feel that Yeah, I think we're supposed to feel that. But I was just like, man, it's so noisy and I can't get a break. And then finally when they went to that house and it was just silence, I was like, oh. I think it's why the show works of it's not a well-known character and there's going to be a lot of dump of, of information and background that David has no idea what's going on. So you are riding along with him. Yeah. Of, he just knows he has these issues. He's had these episodes. He's got all the voices in the head. We see the scenes of all the people screaming at him, mm-hmm. which could be actually everyone at the hospital screaming at him. But no, it's, it's right. all well, David. Let's talk about that for a minute because, like, as that starts off in the first episode, I mean, there's a scene that's like, it couldn't be any more clear about what that is, where the young teenage David head is in the center of the screen and they've superimposed the earlier shot of him with a bunch of people yelling at him, where it's just a bunch of people around his head. And you're like, clearly this is a guy with disassociative personality disorder. But that whole aspect of the show kind of disappears from it as the show starts dealing with the modern David, where you're like, oh, he's still hearing voices and he still sees people, but they don't seem to have as much of a, be as much of a problem. Well, I think think they're, it's just the drugs. The MacGuffin is the, it's, that's the, that was the Shadow King. Yeah, but that's. The later reveals is, oh, that was all him. I think what we'll see in season two. That it wasn't all him. Is it wasn't all him, that these others were all there. I think that he became the dominant personality and got to, like, of the, others next to, to, to David himself um, and had pushed all the others back where they could at best get some whispers in. No yeah, longer yeah. able to get control. But in the last couple episodes, there are some weird David moments that you're we're like, what was that? Like where he's going, yeah. where he keeps saying, you should be afraid. You should be afraid. You will be afraid. And you're like, what's happening? And, and that was with never... the halo on his head. Yeah, yeah, and I, never came to terms with the, I think he came in terms of the fact that he's crazy. Yeah. And he's just now. That he it's can, not like, all parasitic. Yeah, yeah. Like some some things just come out. You the, know what I mean? And, and I hope they go into a thing like in the comics where like the where he has some personalities that have been there since he was a kid, but other personalities are people who he physically destroyed and sucked their essence into himself, and they yeah. become other personalities in his head. Like well, he's copied character. a lot of personalities, a mm-hmm. few utterly. Destroyed. Mm-hmm. If he meets them on the astral plane, he right. can just destroy them. Absorb them yeah. completely. Yeah. So I'd be curious to know if that's... I hope that's the direction they go, because otherwise the name Legion for a show going on doesn't seem to make a hell of a lot of sense. Right. Because <laughs> it was David and Shadow King. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah it's not really a Legion. Legion of two. <laughs> but I, I, that is definitely something that I feel like... They've said... Don't worry, this style of this first season is going to continue to be the style of the show as it goes on, which is good, because I don't want to see it suddenly become very straightforward. Like, you think, oh, he's resolved all his psychological problems and problems on the astral plane. No, I think we'll see that, David, that was the tip of the ice cube. You just got on the little bit of it. He was the I think the Shadow King was the blocker for the rest of it, and now the rest of the personalities are going to start to surface one at a time. I just hope now that he has control, I just want a little less noise. A little less noise. A little less, a little less noise. There's so much filler noise all the time. Music. Well, maybe noise and it's just and... one of those rare shows that's not meant to be binge watched. <laughs> you know, I think we're yes. so spoiled with. No, I need it all now. I will <laughs> agree that I don't think this is a binge watch show. Yeah, no, I really yeah. don't. I think this is you. You can't just watch one, but stay at two. 
So I, yeah. I would watch one and then I'd watch it again, like when my wife had a minute, you know, and mm-hmm. then we'd, we'd watch it together. So, and I always got more the second time around, you know, uh, and I really enjoyed it that way. I, I, I like shows that are weekly, you know, cause when you binge watch something, it's like, well, weekend's over. I guess I'm, I don't know what to look for now. <laughs> what, what crappy thing is on Netflix this week, you know? Yeah. yeah. So I, I, and what I really loved about it was, it was one big story, you know. You, you couldn't take one episode out, and you know it was it, every episode didn't have the the introduction, rising arch, you know. It didn't, yeah, there script. wasn't like a filler episode where it was like, oh, this is bullshit. It was like <laughs> yeah. everything like well, with eight you can't yeah, you don't you have can't time. Do you yeah. don't have time. So happy. I hope they're going to stick to eight as a, a number. That and I think perfect. eight is the perfect number for a TV show anyway. I think yeah. it depends on the story. I think they could go to ten if they're if they've got some ten. meat. <laughs> not 13, not more than that. Yeah, I, I just, like, ex- with with one story show that doesn't go into episodicness, it feels like eight's almost always the magic number. Ten, if you've got enough for it, but even most shows I've seen go to ten, you always feel like there's an episode in the middle somewhere that's treading water. You know? Were they all directed by the same? Was, were they all No, the they no, were not. Was, okay. There were, I think, Four different directors. Okay, six. I think. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, but that, um, but it was definitely Noah Hawley's show. I mean, oh yeah, I mean Fargo. He, he conceived every... the whole thing. He wrote co and co wrote the whole thing. Yeah, Noah Hawley, Michael Uppendahl, Larissa Kondraki, Tim Milantz, Hiro Murai, and Denny Gordon were the directors. Wow, man. all of whom are like old hand TV directors. Well, and yeah, this list stuff. that. All but one did one. Michael Uppendahl did three episodes. Everyone else got one episode. Yeah, including Noah Hawley, who did the pilot himself. Which still works. If the episodes feel different, I think they should. Again, I, I liked that it had a lot of noise. Because to David, his life is just noise. For sure. I, yeah, it was definitely by design. It was just, I think, as you were saying, we, I can't binge it. It's, I can't binge yeah. it and be like, oh my God. It's almost too much information yeah. it wants to yeah. absorb. Um, and it's... Like, as far as, and there's been a lot of shows lately that focus on the unreliable narrator. This is, I feel like, the first time we've gotten that, that I didn't feel a little cheated when it turned out that the show was lying to you later on, you know? I felt like I was the unreliable audience. Yeah, exactly. Okay well, you don't, me. you're not entirely sure <laughs> what, if what you're seeing is real, but it tells you that from the get-go. Well, what? later they find out that, yeah, the, that Shadow King has been lying to David right. with his own memory. Yes. Yeah. By the way... I never, maybe I'm just not remembering, but who was the dude in the hospital who was always hiding in the plants, the plant wall? Do you know what I'm talking about? Because they'd show the plant wall. And then you and see then he's always like, oh, they yeah. always show him like. See, I think that was another, another, you know, hidden Was that like character. the, I wasn't sure if maybe that was just the guy who was a vegetable in the chair. I'm still not growing, sure. And that was like. That was David's way of seeing him. Sometimes was as a metaphor, as an actual vegetable. I can't remember if it was if it was <laughs> I, him or somebody. I, yeah, I couldn't tell you. At the I end think of it would be another episodes. one of his personalities. Yeah, could, I couldn't tell you then ex- for sure who was real and who wasn't, especially yeah. in the hospitals. Yeah. Well, and you know, the first episode, if you were to just watch that all alone, it's just this perfect metaphor for addiction or mental illness, and it's like, oh well, it doesn't even have to go any further. You know, it's just it was this perfectly self-contained thing. And I mean, up until about the fourth episode, it could have done that at any time. It's all in his head. You know, mm-hmm. they could have gone that route, and it wouldn't have felt like a cheat. But I swore the hospital was all in his head, and the patients were his personality. You know, I had a hard time admitting that that must have actually happened myself. You know? Yeah, because like, with me, it was the we only saw the sister in the lobby trying to find out, like, what do you mean he's not here? And it's like, oh, we never. No one else saw the inside of the hospital. It's all in his... No, it, that part had actually happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because the, the true Lenny died with the exchange with Sid. Just David had been seeing the female no, version. No, suggested that there, she wasn't even real then. The, like, when you go... Well, I mean, the middle-aged man version of Lenny mm-hmm. that the Shadow King kind of overtook and overwrote in David's memories. Mm-hmm. And it was only later they... the The... The others, the other mutants, dig up that that was a facade, that that was a mask. Right. So Lenny from the alley, the old, the old, the old junkie guy, right? No, that... from old my, my, of mice and men. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
Tell me about the ice cube. <laughs> I was going to say, tell me about the vaping frog. Yeah, what was that? I like how, I love when shows have their own weird drug. You know? Oh, we're going to do some good Windex. Oh, yeah, you got the vape frog ready? Oh, yeah, man, we're going to get really Man, busy. somebody's going to start selling the vape frogs, and they're going to make a fortune. Oh, so my God, saying. yeah. Get on it. Get on it. I did want one of those in my room after that. <laughs> I think a lot of people watching the show have either gotten high before and liked it or are currently high while you they think, were it. You think that's a pretty good gamble. It's, I, it's, you know what's cool about this, though? I like Even though it's as psychedelic and abstract as it is early on, a point where you go, is it going to be this way the whole time where we never yeah. really understand? It's not. By the end, you feel like 90% of the stuff you saw early on, you totally know what it was. Yeah, it makes sense. Everything has become like nailed down to the ground where you're like, okay, then it was just a matter of interpreting all that data and getting what it was we were actually seeing. And I think that's one of the genius things about this show. It's not content to just go, wouldn't that cool and trippy? It's like, no, everything you saw actually becomes something. You know, except maybe the guy hiding in the plants. But you never get to relax. You yeah. know, you never get to take it for granted that what you're watching is, is you know. And maybe per- purposely or accidentally, I think it's because David starts to get comfortable mm-hmm. and accepting so yeah. much of this. So we can yeah. now accept it. And yeah. you know why? Love. Oh. <laughs> That's what saved So him. is it still the Beauty and the Beast with, with the Shadow King being in his head? He's still technically a beast, right? What, yes. was, he's he's uh, still he's still playing the beauty in the beast. Yeah, I guess in a sense. Yeah. yeah. Um, look, I, I feel like it's really episode four that goes. Okay, now here's everything that you saw and what it means before that. Like it still doesn't explain everything, but that point, if I knew people who dropped out of the show before episode four because they're like, I don't have a clue what's fucking going on with this thing. That's the point. And episode four is that moment where they go, okay, this is the episode where now we start to we laid the ground and tell you what all that stuff you saw was and introduce all these new characters where you know right off the bat who they are and start from getting into familiar territory. Oh, mutants, a mutant academy, people f- yeah. who hunt mutants. I'm rec- I recognize these elements. Yeah. <laughs> and what a great set that mutant academy was mm-hmm. with the bunk beds awesome. and the big X windows. Everything. I, just, <laughs> I absolutely loved the design, the clothes, the music, the casting, everything about it. The just- statue fountain thing in the, in the middle of all of it. I, I love that the MRI machine never got moved I know, I didn't from have the lawn, it, and it was yeah. growing, yeah. lines were going on it. <laughs> I, you think one scene possibly cut was Carrie like, David, can you can you, can you you put it back? Because I, I was kind of using it before. Well, I'd have to get in it and freak out again. Okay, yeah. that's fine. Don't I wonder what it. the fire was about at the pool. Like, who, what power was that, and who did it come Oh, from? yeah, I know. There were a couple different moments where you were like, oh, that was weird. I wonder what the Nobody power was that. Well, they showed off, David shows off a ton of different powers, and and Gene Smart's character and them like, oh, we, fa- we found your power. It's, and then, and it's then, telepathy. And, oh, and telekinesis. <laughs> no, you have not found all of them And you yet. can literally alter the fabric of reality. Yeah, that, he's that a was reality Sid, bender. Though, wasn't it? I mean... The, yeah, like, Sid, Sid and the two carries came and say... Or, no, it was... Carry the girl, and then um, the guy who, has, who can like Ptolemy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I it think was, it was, it was David ignited and, either the oxygen. She told him. She told him when you see the uh, lights or whatever go down. Yeah, because don't come back up until happen. you until you see me again. So I don't know like where that came from and who. Yeah. I am. I don't know what that was. Well, I mean, Sid has more met. powers than just. I mean, there's a I lot. Mean, well, I mean, that's she's got a kind of an explosive power. Yeah, too. I mean, she just body swapped, and I think what the, the explosive was, she got, she got into a car she didn't know how to drive. She gets into David, and there's all these buttons to push, and she just accidentally hit his uh, reality bending powers and shoves. Yeah, she didn't into know how to. Wall. She didn't know how to operate them. Basically, yeah, I, that's know, how when, I took it. But when they kissed, I mean, that was more than just a body swap. That was a, the big explosion inside. I think that was her when she swaps into David. She flexed all these muscles inadvertently of his telekinesis, his telepathy, oh, okay, his reality yeah. bending. Just, just all went shock. off at once. <laughs> right. Yeah. That's what I thought it was. Yeah, okay. I think so. Yeah, I thought so too. Um, I will say, I wanted to say about, um, we mentioned him recently, to Patonomy Wallace, played by Jeremy Harris. Interesting character, cool power. We know next to nothing about this guy, right. and I was really kind of disappointed that there was never even a hint of a backstory to this guy. Well, yeah, the, the guy that's... that gets robbed is is Lynn, the bad eye fro. 
he the Tom Waits guy. He yeah. he doesn't he look had, like Tom Waits. He had been at the compound, but then he flipped and went with Division Three. Mm-hmm. He he seemed like he was supposed to have a power or something. He was just the unrelenting force. He kept go. I don't I don't know. Yeah, they, he gets shortchanged a lot of why did he betray them and flip sides? Was it just oh you're all going to lose eventually? I'm going to be on the winning team now. Yeah, and the bad eye was because in one flashback he's got. Both eyes. I presume that the second season is probably going to spend some time exploring all these other characters. Well, and I hope so, because they're he's dead. Yeah, but this they is a show that's going to go that, into dude. the past a lot. <laughs> okay. Plus, yeah. it's... He, the, got, he got trash Plus, capacity. it's the X-Universe, awesome. so... It's what? It's the X-Universe, so is anybody ever really dead? You know, this is a show about people <laughs> possessing other people's bodies and yeah. switching minds and depositing their spiritual essence on the astral plane. I'd say that nothing is. He was crushed on the astral plane and physical yeah. plane. Yeah, I don't. I don't think Noah Hollywood cheated in a cube. That. He was. I think that you get some flashbacks or but something. FedEx couldn't mess would. up a package that bad. Yeah, no. <laughs> and that was just just awesome. That was like something out of Beetlejuice, right? Him just getting folded. And again, and, they. I think they that. waited till the end of the season. Another big effect, another big risk, because they could have turned people off with, oh, this is going to be uber violent and bloody, but they saved that mm-hmm. to the end. And yeah. some shocking moments like that, to be sure. Uh, we didn't mention, I thought this was interesting. I did not realize that David's sister, Katie, is played by Katie Asselton, she's the, the chick from The League. Yeah. yeah. I was After like, the, that's, yeah. The, see, that's the, the one that episode, so funny on that show. The ev- second episode she's in, I'm like, I know that face, I know that voice. I had the IMDb, and I'm like, oh, shit, she's on the league. Yeah. And she married to Mark Duplass? Yeah, yeah. I think so, yeah. And what about those cells they were in? Those the, with the big diagonal? Those, oh, those are interesting. The, 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 her and the therapist are in it. Yeah, those were terrible those, cells. <laughs> like, yeah. We just don't want you to ever be comfortable. Ever. <laughs> ever. And then when they came through, and it was... There were times when you're like, is this a dream? Is this really happening? Is this an astral with plane? The wi- with the window right with there. With the window right there. And they're like, hey, yeah. I'm his therapist. It's like, well, <laughs> and they left the therapist. They I don't think him. he got out. Right. And I'm like, well, was that really the therapist? Or was that the the uh, the ghoul, you know, the shadow king in him? I think it was, the, I mean, it was the therapist from the hospital, not David's therapist. Yeah. Private therapist that he robbed eventually, I think. But... I also didn't see how they got people out of those cells. Like, it was a top hatch, and they would just <laughs> fish them out with a claw. But, yeah, they left them there like... Uh, they just didn't trust him. You're on your own, dude. Yeah, like, I don't I don't believe you're who you say you are. I really liked the, the guy in the brown suit, the two-faced looking guy. Uh, the one that got Han- burned? Yeah. I was really glad that oh, they yeah. brought him back. Yeah, I liked yeah one of those, like, man, he's great, and then you're like... Oh, thank God, goodness, he's going to be back. And it seems like he's just going to be back. And then they yeah. backstoried yeah. his recovery with yeah. his husband. Oh, my yeah. God, that was a beautiful scene, too, because it's like, okay, nobody in the show is just paper thin, you know? Yeah. Everybody yeah. in they, here. They set up this long, arduous crawl back, and you see a version of his husband is, like, happy he's just alive, but, oh, shit, he's kind of ruined. And then you see the same husband working for Div- Division Three, yeah. and looks to be a cold motherfucker, right? And like doesn't care that he's now in harm's way to do the job, right? Yeah. I, I like that 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 character uh, Hamish Linklater's character is like out for revenge, and then there's this point where he goes, "Okay, yes, I'm, I'm still not entirely now. sure what's happening right now, <laughs> well, but I says, do know they're saying let's be friends, and they're super." <laughs> Dorky, powerful, and I think I'm. Well, just David play says along. to him, "You know, we're going to have to work together on this." Yeah. And he goes, "Oh, I know." Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. he's already resigned. <laughs> to- There's that point where, like, help! I'm over the revenge thing. That other guy scares me a lot more. So <laughs> was that Wolfhead Kane? Did his husband put it in his locker as a little gift or what? Because he felt like, like was that, the, that the old the guy, guy that. Was that the old guy? It was guy? The, the guy he reported to at yeah. the pool oh, who was who not dead. It yeah, felt yeah. like it was a passing of like yeah. the James okay. Bond title yeah. Yeah. or the men in black yeah. suit of you're now the you're lead the to put on the yeah. uniform. Like, I told you to call me Scorpius, but the other guy was Scorpius. Why well, he's dead now, I'm Scorpius. Yeah. <laughs> we I go the way through the other cave. We go through a lot. We go through a lot of Scorpius. I loved when the pen went through his cheek. 
in the interrogation yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, oh. When, when, yeah, when yeah. he's just like, man, this job is definitely not worth another five years. This either. sucks, yeah. <laughs> uh, a couple notes along the way that I picked up online that I thought were really interesting. First off, uh, um, Noah Hawley and the rest of the cast knew where the plot was going, but did not let Dan Stevens know where, where it was going. Wow. Like, cool. he was specifically asked to try and not read ahead and not, like, because, like, we want you to not be aware of what's happening because you should be like a babe in the woods. We're going to play you, you, you play it clueless, and we're going to keep you clueless. Like, he had no idea Aubrey Plaza's character was inside his head. Like, did not know. That's cool. Well, yeah. so, did, did, is anybody else here a Downton Abbey fan? Cause I've was, not watched no. it. I've it, never seen it. it Are there superheroes on it? No, <laughs> Dan Stevens is Do people get, like, super a, guts ripped out and stuff? Yeah, there's a pretty gruesome World War One uh, arc. Ah, it's there, staring but... World War ending. Oh, you were almost bought in, and you bailed. I just want to say he was really great in that, and it was like, and and clearly, again, married twenty years. The reason I watched Downton Abbey is because my wife watched. Yeah, no, I get that. So if we're my watching wife Legion, it, I and I said, it. I said, can you believe it's the same guy from Downton? Abbey? I always kind of have to spoon feed her when we watch. Sure, TV. sure. Did she recognize? Him? I said, I said, can you believe it's the same guy from from Downton Abbey? She's like, which one? Who? I said, Matthew. She's like, oh, you know, just like no way. I can't believe it's the same acting. Guy. Dan Stevens has got that weird Scoot McNary quality that, like, whatever he's in, he just he's gone in it. Now he's somebody you're like, I didn't even realize I was the same he guy. Uh, yeah. I, I first recognized him, like, first stood out to me in the movie The Guest, which I think is amazing, where he plays, like, a super ridiculously handsome, confident, strong military guy who comes to, like, visit the family of his friend who died in, in the war in Vietnam. Or, no, it was, it was the Gulf War. It was the Gulf, Gulf War. war yeah. Uh, and they're all like, oh, that's so nice you came. He brought his dog tags, and they kind of adopt him into the family, and then it turns out he's a really crazy stalker dude who yeah, will kill I, I, anyone who doesn't love him. So was David's logical mind was that him getting to do his real yeah, voice exactly yeah because your logical mind would sound oh, British. Well, wonderful Why do you have a British accent? <laughs> I'm, I'm logic. I'm the rational. <laughs> the the rat, so yeah. there you go. Obviously, yeah. I would have a British accent. And they're laying side by side and, and talking. And, that was really cool. Oh, so yeah, great. That was cool. Um, as well, Aubrey Plaza's character of Lenny was originally written as a middle-aged drug addict, addicted man. And th- when she specifically said, "I really want to play this part," my agent read this and went. I know this isn't written for someone like her, but I could see her doing an amazing job. And she went in and auditioned, and Noah Holly was like, that was amazing. And like, let me rewrite the character for you. She's like, don't change a thing. I was bummed when she got shoved anything. into a wall, because I'm like, I'm starting to enjoy yeah. I didn't, I know, right? I didn't see April, and then... Oh, wait. She's yeah. not gone. So, well, you notice a lot of her dialogue is kind of dude sleazy. Yeah. You know? And it's because yeah. they didn't change a word from This was from so the, much different uh, than what she usually plays and everything. Oh, else. yeah, yeah completely. So much different. Yeah. Uh, and the one thing in here that was funny, like thinking back, I was like, yeah, I don't know what that was either. And this happened in the first episode. It's referred to several times an incident at Red Hook, which in the comics is a town next to Bard College where Jean Grey ends up being buried. And Jean mm. Grey's father was a professor at Bard, uh, at, uh, Bard College. Jean Grey grew up in the area. Your, but your, that your never mouth is falling down the stairs right now. <laughs> that's, that, never t- that never ties back into the show at all at any point, despite the fact they mention it multiple times. And I'm not sure if that's the intention. I thought but... it was a Kevin Smith shout-out. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. That'd be Red State, an incident Red State. No, I, don't I was looking for those Easter eggs and we get distracted well, looking for and they they didn't do a lot there's not a lot there are some deep cut ones like for instance carrie uh loudermilk amber midhunt thunder where her standard outfit is a blue pantsuit and a brown trench coat which is the exact one that uh uh, arthur madrix the multiple man in x-men comics wears and her power is not entirely dissimilar (laughs) you know that she's two people in one body and she can split off an extra body basically Mm -hmm. Uh, it's obviously not the same thing but it felt like it's felt specific enough that I think it was a call out. Like, yeah, we're never going to be the primary X Men universe, but we're going to throw in a couple little smirking Easter eggs. Oh, they threw in some X's. There was the yeah, window pane that him and Sid sat in. Yeah, you know, some X's would sneak in. But well, they a lot didn't. of the casual wear was very costumey, very. Mm-hmm. You know, comic book costumes, but like the those their burnt jumpsuits. Yeah. yeah, jumpsuits looked like X Men yeah. attire to a certain extent. You know what I mean? Like, and it, the circle was, with the triangle in it was that a callback to something? Because that was so prominent. That I yeah, he, I, he I was curious about that because even David is wearing a lot of his shirts would just have shapes, and I don't know if they were trying to do because like we had just watched we watched the bumper, the post credits. 
he now has a triangle for the first time on his shirt. And I'm right. wondering if there's some subtle little code there because he was wearing a circle for most of the last couple of episodes in the mm-hmm. astral plane. There's another shirt he's wearing somewhere else that it's just got a sh- it just shapes. I don't know if there's something underneath there they were trying to... They were not off the rack, you know. (laughs) Well, yeah, that was the other thing, too. They didn't try to throw uh, fashionable stuff in there, but it wasn't an accident that he kept wearing shapes. Right. Yeah, that's I mean, what I thought too. It, and I, I wonder. feel like there's almost nothing in here that wasn't super intentional. Right. It feels yeah. Like definitely. something it was gone over with a fine tooth comb, and anything that wasn't specifically answered here is stuff he's leaving to talk about later. That like, oh, now we see what that meant. The same way this season in and of itself, we have no idea what a lot of the stuff in the first three or four episodes means at all until we get to the final two episodes. We're like, oh, well, he did explain that little tiny thing from earlier. The, there were so many weird. Just the way shots would be framed with the lights, you know, moving around the, like, psycho bulb, you know, on a wire. <laughs> um, him eating the reel-to-reel tape. Yeah. That's just, why would that be so creepy? But that was so creepy. That shot where he's the- eating it and it goes, it just has the text around him, the man with the yellow eyes. Mm-hmm. And you're like, wait, what? <laughs> yeah, it's like, you, you're never going to just go, I'll oh, just have a warm tea and watch this little program. No. <laughs> it's not Downton Abbey. <laughs> well, I think that the, the Shadow King took over for a second to destroy any evidence of himself. Mm-hmm. And the only thing he'd really think of was eat it. But it was so yeah. creepy to watch him. Yeah. Do, like, why would it, would it? It was just, and he was just so dead eyed, you know? And yeah. it was just, that was such a creepy scene. And they would go back to it for just a second, you know, just for a second. No, like Chris was saying, the silver lining was that it was like a sweet love story, too. Yeah. yeah. And that was like, you know, that was like your breather. Yeah. And, you know, even though, like that little, and guys, if you did not watch after the main part of the, you know, the Art Deco E credits, there actually is an extra bonus scene there. Oh, yeah. Uh, that is, is funny because it feels like a sort of like, oh, it's just going to be a sweet, funny bit where they're like, oh, they, they're finally together and they're there and, ah, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> Which Noah Hawley has said, that's a Division 3 thing. Don't stop theorizing. There's not some other brand new myth. Stop looking, pouring through the comic books looking for a reference because you're not going to find it. That was it. That's, they reference it briefly in the same episode, like a new thing they're bringing out. Well, he out. called in uh, yeah. something. I forget what they There's called There's two it. things. Yeah. There was a, either the Peacemaker or Peacekeeper. Yeah. And then there was another name, was, I, which, I which they sounded like titles of a, of a soldier or right. something yeah. like that. But like, that apparently, bring the cleaner in. Whichever thing it was, the, he said that's what that was. That's, yeah. So that, that's well, that's great. That's the highest tech we see in the whole show. Even right? the Minority Report binder yeah. pales in comparison to, oh, I've got, <laughs> you, you think the prisoners' orbs were good? <laughs> I've got that beat. It's more compact. It's faster. It's more durable. And I'm just... Teleport people in. Yeah, revolutionize travel. I'll tell you yeah. Because <laughs> he wasn't in it. He's aware and alive in it, just shrunk down. I should have added a little touch where it said Pan Am on the side. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that was crazy high levels of tech um, that uh, we hadn't seen. Yeah, no, I mean, I think that's almost the most advanced tech that we see in the whole show is that last little bit. But even so, it has a weird clunky thing you would yeah. find in an in a antique store, mm-hmm. like from the 70s field. Well, because right? of that so, lens. Yeah, yeah exactly. Clock radio look. Do yeah, it, you know? exactly. And Ptolemy has a, a Tommy gun. You yeah. know, like, what a... That's like the most... <laughs> <laughs> that's the noisiest, most non-accurate machine it's gun you could possibly It's not have. very practical. They exactly. screw with your sense of time and setting on... We talked about it earlier. The music, the costumes, the set, the weapons, the tag. Nothing can be pinned down even to one decade. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, although I think you could say it's either 60s or 70s. But he looked totally like nope. somebody out of the I would say that when scenes. David leaves and Division 3 is following him, I would say that's kind of a 90s feel. I thought it was 80s or 90s, yeah. Really? David's room as a child doesn't look 50s or 60s. It looks... Mm. I mean, there's a couple of old wind-up rockets you see, but the yeah. rest of it kind of feels like that could be... There's no posters to date it or anything. Yeah, we don't get to see... Wait, there's a VCR! No, or anything Well, like and that. it's funny, <laughs> too, that... He's got a Sybil poster on his wall or something. Yeah, you know, the, the, the 50s were like, TV and movies don't treat the 50s like it was as long ago as it was. Well, now, yeah, you the know? sister it's sure like, dressed like it was. <laughs> it's like the 50s were really a long time ago now. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It, it, in the 70s, the 50s weren't that long ago. But <laughs> it's been a long time since the 70s. <laughs> oh, God, stop reminding it's me. It just always weirds me out how people still act like, oh no, my parents grew up in the 50s. It's like, 
are your parents 90? You know, because that's not the way so, that works. Barring two and a half months, I lived through the entire 70s. So I like stopped saying how long ago. <laughs> <laughs> Just say I lived through most I was of born the 60s. In, I was born in 71. Uh, yeah, Get so over you're yourself. about where I'm yeah. at. Yeah. yeah. Well, youngin, let me tell you about what it was like yeah. back you in the old days. You didn't you didn't fill out some paperwork and get older by accident. You just are where you are. <laughs> I'm I was as old just as Doctor Who. How detached I am. There you go. Yeah. See, yeah. I was born in '63. Well, I don't want to go into a whole nostalgic thing. I still can close my eyes and picture like shit that happened in like '76 and go, "Oh, that's cool. I guess that's still going on." Where's my skateboard, honey? Where's that skateboard? I'm not on a skateboard now. Jesus, that'd be not the end of oh, Chris. Well, um, what about? Uh, I just don't want to forget. What about uh, the angriest boy in the world? The world's angriest. Oh, is that a real book? World. I, it looked like Edward Gorey and Eddie Munster. It seemed and, familiar to me. I don't. I, maybe my mom read it to me when I was a kid too. I don't know. The world, man. It's a world's angriest boy. Seems like a product of a very well, deranged mom. And that <laughs> book goes dark fast. Yeah. If the kid just kills his mom because she told him to go to bed, <laughs> it could be a lie again by the Shadow King do. because he right. took on that persona from time to time as the angriest. Who, by boy. the way, does in fact appear in the first episode. I didn't think they did. I yeah. rewatched the first episode. I was like, there's, there's there, there he is. He shows up a lot. Yeah. And how creepy Since is that? season at one point. Bobblehead Hitler. Well, yeah, this is the malformed... <laughs> the malformed head. Sid sees him at one point, and she's yeah. shocked to see him yeah. outside of David's yeah. Yeah. realms and pocket realms. Uh, that was cool how she was like... I get he just implanted himself in her or whatever. That, she, like, that happened a few times where she'd have a little flash... Of his head. I think it's you a mix I mean? of she traded places with him, so she had a bit yeah, of that she, yeah. of maybe DNA or his power had l- stayed on her. And then he made a pocket realm just for, just her, for her and him. Which was so they actually awesome. the white room where they could actually be together. That was awesome. And then they were all pulled in when time is frozen and they're trying to figure out how not to die. So it was what, what a neat story mechanic that was. It You're really just was. like, okay, oh, yeah, we've there was, got a couple problems. Well, there here, was a guys. couple of weird things where <laughs> the guy with a Tommy gun starts to shoot them and they freeze time. But then Sid finds him in the closet, stabbed in the wheelchair, dying. And I was mm-hmm. like, wait, he's up stairs. Who stabbed? They didn't. That wasn't crystal clear. It didn't have to be. But why was he there? Like, I could see why everyone else got spread out, and then Carrie's bringing them back That together. was the only part of that whole sequence I found confusing as well. Like, well, was, in the chair. Was, yeah. the hospital the and the chair. house were occupying the same space. Yeah. Right? Right, I but mean, then when everything was, sinks back yeah. up, Lynn, yeah. the fro with the bad eye, <laughs> is standing where he's standing and gets collapsed upon. He implodes. Right. And that the guy with the gun, and he was the, he was the badass telekinetic. He's throwing people, like, football yards oh, away. Yeah. He's... Like, he should be the all-star of that team. He can pull off just about anything. Him and David could just wipe shit yeah, out. Yeah, I love that David... My favorite David moment is him making a Division Three Christmas tree, where he's just like... Oh, oh yes, that was so good, too. <laughs> that was cool. I'm not going to kill him. I'm just going to be really embarrassing. <laughs> They're all like... <laughs> uh, well, we're about at an hour, so let's do what we call final thoughts, where each person gets a chance to, to sum up their feelings about this, to give it a what we call the arbitrary rating... Like, I tend to go with a 1 out of 10, but then I pick something like I go, you know, 5 out of 10 uh, crazed looks in psychic eyes, you know, or what have you. Or one out of, 6 out of 7 personalities. Yeah, exactly. Something like that. <laughs> or you could go 55 out of 1,000, you know, whatever. Wow. Whatever you want. 55, that's That'd be shitty. a pretty low rating, yeah. But anyway, my point being is it's up to you how you do it. Ultimately, the number means nothing because that, that's always – what, what, what's important is the words you say before you give your number. The number is for shits and grins. So, Evan, why don't you start us off? Once I got past the noisy stuff, it, it turn was the a, TV down. It was a lot. Well, I was just cranking my surround sound. Did you have your strobe light on again? Uh, yeah, I was. I, th- yeah, I told was you about all, that. But the uh, the soundtrack was awesome. It, that, that montage where she's a rainbow stones thing, where they're falling. So that was so good. Um, I by the end of that, by the end of the show, I wanted more, and I really liked it. Um, and it was very different for like X Men stuff. Um, I would give it. I would give it a seven out of ten. Seven out of ten. What personalities? 
or <laughs> he said personality. Yeah, whatever. I don't know. I was the best one I heard. You so didn't say originality. You said it could be fun, but it's gave true. the point across. It's true. He set you the stable. He set the stable. I, I think. Yeah. So seven out of ten something. Okay. Seven out of ten astral planes. I there you know. go. There you go. Neil. Um, I'm excited that they still they the collective they of entertainment will go off the beaten path for. This is the this is Guardians. This is Ant Man. It's they, they'll chart new territory. I'm hopeful people will will watch it and give it a chance. It's on FX, so it's kind of off the beaten path that way. I think it's going to get better too. Yeah, and we we're hearing of more things. They're taking more chances on. It isn't just Wolverine and Superman and Batman. They're looking for other things, yeah. and I hope people aren't shied away from. Well, I don't know what's going on. That was the point. You don't know what's going on because David does, and David by the end sort of knows what's going on. Yeah. Um, I don't think there were any missteps. I watched it weekly. I didn't bench it. I would say season two. I'm going to watch weekly because I don't want to wait eight weeks to watch watched, all of them. I, I want to. I watched each episode like uh, right after they came out. <laughs> yeah, like, within yes, yes, Legion, Legion, yes. Yeah, within 24 <laughs> hours, I was trying to watch it with yeah. my wife. And I think it was episode six. She had said, if this show doesn't start explaining itself more, I'm giving up on it. And six is where they actually start peeling more back. They identify Farouk, the Shadow King, the Demon with the Yellow Eyes, Lenny. They're all the same thing, trying to take over David. And the Beagle. <laughs> the, the King. Yeah. <laughs> yeah King. All of that. I wanted to see more about the Beagle. I wanted to see his whole backstory. <laughs> what was his deal? Was he like, was he a good dog? Was he a well, bad dog? <laughs> We know it was. We know it was I'm bullshit. But but Old why? But why? That's a, that is curious. Why would the Shadow King even implant himself? Because he's just piggybacking on David. Sure. There's no point to that dog. It's not like oh, he jumped in the river to save the dog, and that's where he almost. There was nothing of that. Mm-hmm. Him I think becoming every kid wants Lenny. A dog, though. Yeah. I, I saw guess. that dog when he was trick or treating. But it's like Lenny became the Shadow King. Overrode himself as Lenny. To oh, I'm your friend. I'm your bestest friend. And he overwrote the argument with the girlfriend that led up to the the kitchen exploding through telekinesis. Mm-hmm. Of he just don't worry, don't worry about that, David. Don't worry about that. Like he was hiding. The dog didn't seem to be a real purpose. Why it was there, other than it was just a, familiar, familiarity. Or the, eventually, was, he'd reveal, "I've been with you all this time." It was the thing there to be I with him you. when he was a, a a kid, and then when he was a teenager and needed like a chick around, he got Lenny. You know. And I think that the the shadow. King, yellow-eyed monster, just sometimes couldn't help himself but be an asshole. You know, like that's true. Like, I'm going to try to comfort you, but oh, I can't help myself. I'm a monster. You know, so he would turn into. The could, angry I think boy. he got fidgety. He was sitting still too long. Yeah, but it's like I, you, I, I'll make you comfortable as a dog, and then sometimes it's just like you know what, fuck you. I'm we do you. know eventually <laughs> that he, the Shadow King, realizes who this is connected to his old enemy. So any little thing he can do to hurt him, short term, long term, he's going to do. He can't get revenge on that the one that hurt him. Oh, but your kid? I'm going to fuck him up hmm. and then take him over and then probably come looking for you. I, I'd have to give it either nine and a half or ten out of ten personalities. I have no real issues with it. I can't say it's perfect, but I enjoyed all of it. The look, the acting, the sound, the effects. I think they saved their their best effects till later. The, the Division Three Christmas tree, the Oliver's musical shield the the blackboard logical explanation of what do, okay what do we know all of it all of it works if the i i think the person who most deserves probably an emmy for this is the editors because this this is as much their show as it is the director's yeah it show. was a re- yeah they did a really good job uh i think sound could be very sound, worthy which yeah. is overlooked all the time I think of the actors, David and Lenny would be high contenders. I think Oliver is really great, but he's not a lot of it. He's gonna... supposed to be really great. He did his job. Yeah. And like, you know what I mean? I think some really, really amazing stuff's going to have to come out through the rest of this year for this not to be justified in being nominated for a ton of Emmys. I agree. Oh, yeah. uh, Johnny, what about you? What's your, what's your summation? Here? I absolutely loved it. As confused as I was so many times and... and... Agog as I was, I never once felt like 
they don't really know what they're doing. They don't know how they're going to resolve this, you know. And after two seasons of Fargo, you think that you kind of know what Noah Hawley's going to pull out of his out of his knit hat, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> not quite. It's like, wow, is there anything you can't do? You know, I mean, talk about paying tribute to your source material and and making something completely different out of it. I loved all the musical cues, like I've said. I love Bill Irwin. Um, Anything with Bill Irwin is always going to get my attention, you know. Uh, so, uh, just I, I absolutely loved it. I, I think it was the perfect length. Um, it w- left me wanting more, but not feeling frustrated that I wasn't going to get it, you know, immediately. Um, I'm going to give it the perfect ten out of a perfect ten. Wow. Sid Barrett's perfect round butt. Yeah. <laughs> It was it was kind of perfect. That that, that was a butt. perfect. I mean, talk about there were a lot of nice butts. The shower scenes there was like yeah. a nice butt, and then the the uh, the hospital there were some nice butts in there too. This guy's watching for butts. Is I'm watching saying. Butts. He's got a whole scoreboard. That was just a delightful board. scene. <laughs> and you should have ranked that it. Was- X of X butts. <laughs> I, well, I wasn't thinking about the butts until you brought it up. Um, yeah, that's all I think about. So, <laughs> I like, was just sitting there. Coming know. into this as a huge fan of the comic books and a huge fan of X Men, even though on the whole I had dropped out of it by the time Legion came around as a character, I've since gone back and read a lot of this stuff. I'm watching this at first and foremost as a fan of the X-Men. Yeah. Secondary as a huge fan of Noah Hawley after watching both seasons of Fargo and thinking they're just as they're, those are both 10 out of 10 television series. They're just that good. I, yeah, so I still brilliant. recommend both seasons of Fargo. God, we're about to get the third season yeah. too. Yeah, so yeah we're so starting excited. to get those teases of it. Yeah. Um, uh, so I'm watching it sort of the combination of both those things and I did really appreciate that it's much more of a Hawley show than it is a X-Men universe show and yet there's nothing that happens in this entire show where they couldn't drop it right smack dab in the middle of any currently going on X-Men mythology yeah. if they wanted to. They could go, no, this is totally concurrent with the movies. This happens like before around the time First Class is going on or around the time Days of Future Past is going on. But they could do that and there's nothing to say that this wasn't going on open in like, you know, Maine or something, wherever this was, while in Massachusetts the X-Men were, were battling people with Wolverine. But, and but everybody would say... But why is this so much better? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, because you're, you're seeing it in a, in a different lens. Well, but you're I do getting have, eight hours versus two. But I do like the ambiguity of it in that yeah. level. That it's like, okay, it could fit. If they want it to, it can. And and, and uh, FX is being very cagey about it. As is Howley going, well... And basically because none of the deals are done. This is They an, probably still see... They don't know if the gamble's paid off. Well, yes. And it's also a, a weird thing that... This is not technically being made. I mean, this is actually being put on by Marvel's television department, which is odd considering Fox owns the rights to do this. So it's a, even though it's on a Fox channel, Jeff Loeb and the Marvel television crew are the ones producing this whole thing and putting it on, which is something everyone said would never happen. And now it's like, well, it yeah, looks like these ABC. guys are actually working together now. Like, no, FXX is 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 a a, a is a Fox. Uh, network, right? But ABC is producing it, which is who works with Marvel. So it's a very odd mashup of all these things that shouldn't be working together, and yet have come up with, I think, critically the best thing that's happened in the X universe to date. Oh yeah, um, this is an amazing show for people who aren't necessarily superhero fans. You don't have to be a superhero fan to like this, but this is definitely, I think, much more for grown-ups. I think most teenagers are going to come into this and go like. I don't really understand a lot of what's going on, and this isn't really the type of thing I expected out of a superhero show. I just want to see Daredevil beat up people in a hallway. And that's fine. <laughs> that's why we have tons and tons and tons of that stuff, and a lot of it's really good. But this is a very grown-up show. It's it's Mad Men meets Psychedelic Drugs meets the X-Men. You know, uh, I, I loved this thing so much. I really can't even think of anything actively to complain about it. I was in love with almost every frame of this, and I know I can be a bit hyperbolic when I get that crazy about something, but <laughs> it's new. We've never seen anything like this before. There really is new, and for what it wants to do, it executes it so flawlessly. I've got to give it a 10 out of 10 um, uncertain decade jumpsuits that I would nonetheless wear every day if they gave me a chance. Because <laughs> they look comfy. Well, I would... The highest compliment I could pay it is... I think Hannibal was one of the strongest things on TV in the last several 
Another years thing of that was breaking the rules, doing something yeah, really new. Because they cared about the look, the wardrobe, the music, the sound, everything. I think this show, while different, because it's playing, it's playing more internally of love and, and um, addiction and fractured psyches. But this show does hits all those same notes and attention to detail that Hannibal did in all its seasons too. For me, yeah, no, like, I mean it's, it's TV at its best. Of, it, oh, I don't own a TV. There's nothing good on TV. You're not looking. It's TV that's not dismissing itself like so much television does. Where like, well, it's just television. Well, I think yeah. it's TV that's building on the whole notion of the last five or six years. TV has gotten. Just so much better. Yeah. At mo- Every time anyone movies. calls any time but now the golden age of TV, I always always want to jump up and correct them and go, actually, sir, <laughs> this is the golden age of television. But th- there's no point in getting it out. No, anyway. They'd not. be like, I love Lucy. Like, yeah, fine, whatever. It's, it's, <laughs> it's prestige television on network on a network band. It I mean, is. FX is network, basically. Yeah, it's 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 it's, it's cable not, network. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's it's the network. You wouldn't get it with rabbit ears. Network with stuff yeah. that they're not don't feel strongly enough it can succeed to put it on regular network yeah <laughs> but it's weekly you know i mean yeah. it's a regular episodic hell it's format. in the middle now they have even more than i don't know network the fxx network right i'm waiting for fxxx because <laughs> come on <laughs> well yeah they'll they'll end up like espn where they get down to the ocho they just yeah. have all these and they if they don't have the less faith that they have in it, the deeper down the X's it goes. Yeah, exactly. Until eventually, <laughs> yeah, you can until do Until eventually, you want. I'm going to be on FX. So yeah, be like, yeah. <laughs> be like FX times seventeen. I'd watch that, by the way. Well, thank I you. I would. Sir. Watch, I'd DVR the shit out of that. 